Hi, I'm Georgina Hudson from GeorginaHudson.net. This podcast has been created to support you in your path of self-awareness and wellness and to draw a roadmap together that can help you align mind and heart. Today we're going to see how we can embrace our exquisite sensitivity and vulnerability without betraying ourselves and without running away from those feelings. For more information about what I do and about me, you can visit my website on georginahudson.net or my Instagram account, georginahudson.coach. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? What's up, people? How are you today? And I've got some questions to ask you. And the first thing I want to ask you is whether you have ever been told you are too sensitive, nobody can tell you anything, or you take things too personally. Oh, your life's chaos. No wonder you lose everything. Oh, you are overweight. Oh, you are too skinny. Do something if you want to have a partner or, you know, Oh my God, you always take things too hard, please, you know, do something about it or, or chin up and smile. That was one that I was told. This child's restless talking about one of your children. Are you sure he doesn't have ADHD or are you anxious again? Really? And telling this to yourself, I see what others are doing and I love it, but I'm still not up, not up to the task. You know, this very last one would be your inner voice telling you and whipping yourself. Whip, whip, whip. These phrases are heard repeatedly, non-stop. And unfortunately, they're always fashionable. When I was a young girl, and that was a long time ago, that's why I'm telling you they are always fashionable. I was one of the many young children who were told, are you crying again? Really? Come on, it's not so bad. And to be honest with you, this was said with seriously fed up and concerned faces. And the truth is that making the passage to adolescence made me extremely vulnerable. I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand that my emotions were the result of making the transition from being a child to a teenager. I didn't understand that my hormones were changing. I didn't understand my new world. My friends and I suddenly stopped playing and being kids to become a little more daring and a little more adult-like. We had more demands in spite of being more rebellious, not that I was very rebellious, but my friends were. So my sensitivity was at an all-time high and I sometimes cried at the slightest comment or attitude that hurt me. I don't know if this resonates with you, but I'm sure it does. I can still see myself vividly sobbing on my own and in silence, but my mother, nonetheless, always noticed what had happened. And when that happened, the interrogation began and the show started. It wasn't easy, I can promise you. I love my mom, may she rest in peace, but you know, this is part of my history and I cannot deny it. And Anyone looking at me from the outside might have thought I had it all. A closely knit family, many friends, good grades, affection in the circles where I moved, a lot of affection to be honest, and material well-being. And in fact, many of my friends when we were adults, when we be 
became, you know, young adults, you know, when we were talking together, I remember many of them telling me, oh, Georgie, you know, we thought you had it all. You were like this, and this is embarrassing, but they told me you were like this princess and you seem to be like, you know, super... Uh, grounded and collected and to have it all and and we didn't have a clue you were suffering on your own but I was and inside myself I felt a revolution that made me anxious and I didn't understand that revolution I didn't know why I was feeling like that so I felt inadequate and I felt different from the rest. I remember telling myself, my goodness, what is going on? Why I feel like crying again? Why do I feel like crying again? Uh, why uh, can't my friends be laughing and doing silly things and going out and partying and not studying and feeling good about it? And I am here on my own suffering. And okay, then I understood. We were all in that together. But that happened a long time after that. So, I also felt I had no right to feel so sensitive because, as I told you, from the outside, I had it all. And when I mentioned that then I understood that we were in that together, that we were all in that together, is because some years later, talking about this with my closest friends, I found out out that I wasn't the only one. One of my friends told me, oh my God, Georgie, I was crying every day. I wish I knew you were going through the same thing. And, you know, many of us, especially, you know, my closest friends, I guess we choose the people from our tribe because they're similar to us. Uh, But many of them had a hard time. So anyway, all the above, all the things that I have mentioned, was enough reason for my teenage me to avoid opening up when my mom asked me, asked me why I was crying. And I have to be very honest with you, I dreaded disappointing others and I dreaded being rejected and I couldn't imagine not being loved by my parents. So I began to hide my vulnerability and I put it under the rug like very under the rug. I held my chin up, as I was told, and I smiled for the outside world, this, you know, good Georgina, smiley Georgie. And it was hard, but it was an act that I put together. So behind every phrase I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, when people uh, tell you, are you crying again? Oh, you're chaotic. No wonder you are—you lose everything, or uh, oh, you are so sensitive and you take things to heart so easily. Blah 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 blah. Hmm? There is a subliminal message that shames, rejects, and disempowers the person who hears that, because those messages sound a little bit like "get rid of all that; it's exhausting, and get over it." And now, like overnight. So it comes as no surprise that in a system which is so lacking in emotional intelligence and empathy, we end up convincing ourselves that we are broken and that something is wrong with us. And this is so, so tough to hear, I know. But I remember so well too, you know, every time I was sobbing or crying, And every time I felt like I was inadequate and I was afraid or anxious or whatever, you know, because 
I didn't even know what I was running from, you know? I, I didn't even know I felt like I was not good enough, maybe, and that I was not going to be accepted in this new world of adolescence. And, you know, and this is the subject of a new podcast, I know. But I learned very early on that something was wrong with me. I felt like a failure. And, you know, I think my friends felt I was very composed and very grounded, etc. But, you know, I was really having a hard, hard time. So how do we usually respond to feeling like that? Blaming and shaming ourselves. You know, after all, that is safer and easier than accepting that our vulnerability and sensitivity aren't accepted by our closest circle. And when I was talking about myself, you know, I wish I had somebody who had embraced me and who had told me, it's okay, Georgie, this is okay. This is part of becoming a teenager. You know, you are, you are so fine. You are all right. All is well, darling. But, you know, I swallowed everything up and I was afraid of disappointing my parents because they were sending me signals like, you know, you're too much for us. And I ended up feeling ashamed of myself. So even the most well-intentioned caregivers and and this is the case most of the time, like my parents, may have pushed us to hide what we felt. We might also have hidden what emotions ourselves when we compared ourselves with our environment. Like I told you, I thought the rest of the teenagers that surrounded me were having a great time and were wonderful and, you know, uh, totally okay. And I was the only failed adolescent. And... Unfortunately, all those exquisite feelings ended up being neglected. We have self-imposed parameters that we have bought from culture, which tells us that only by being or having this or that we'll be able to achieve what we set out to do. Only by being happy 24-7, we're going to be a good citizen of the world. And there is also something pervasive in our lives, and it's our internal narrative, and this is probably the cruelest. Uh, This is based on our painful childhood and our adolescence. And it might sound something like this today. I'm not good enough for this. People will not like me for who I am. If I say this, people are not going to like it. You know, I, I need to apply more because otherwise I'm going to lose control, etc, etc, etc. But it's time we stood up for ourselves and integrated all our pieces, which is only possible from a place of self-compassion and not from self-hatred or self-rejection. This is also very strong, but this is true, you know. It's important to say to ourselves, you know, I can see you. I can see you are suffering. I can see this is very tough, but I'm going to be on your side. Don't betray yourself because I'm here. I'm cheering you on. You telling yourself this, you doing the work. And the work on oneself begins by pausing and never running away from what we feel because we are conditioned to covering up what we feel by numbing ourselves with 
work, becoming workaholics, doing, 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 and achieving, and also uh, with food or drink or booze, alcohol or porn or sex or socializing or going out like crazy or buying and consuming, you know. But the third thing is to pause and to silence the voices of shame from the outside and the inside, accepting everything that belongs to us and becoming accountable for what's going on. We need to open our eyes to tend to the parts that need an acknowledgement. And we can certainly reparent ourselves as we wish adults had done when we were young. And the the theme of reparenting, I think I talked about this in another podcast. I'm not sh- I'm not sure, but I'm definitely going to record another one talking about reparenting. But you know, this is not to blame our parents or anything, because as I mentioned, most of them have the best intentions in their heart. But that doesn't mean that they didn't fail or that they didn't make mistakes. And we are going to make mistakes with our children too. So reparenting is something wonderful because it's the the capacity we have to parent ourselves, to become the mothers or the fathers that could care for us the way we wish our parents had. And this reminds me of all the times my children come home feeling overwhelmed. Uh, when I was asked as a little or, or an adolescent, Georgie, <laughs> uh, come on. No, don't tell me, you're crying again, oh, come on, Georgie, chin up, smile, come on, you have it all, you know, you cannot be crying, really, no, it's not fair, you know, there are children who haven't got anything, and blah, blah, and the story went on, so I was asked to be okay, like, overnight, And I cannot do that with my children. I can't ask my children to get over their feelings and calm down the moment they come to my house and I see that they are overwhelmed. I can only offer them my heart and my conscious presence. I can be mindful. I can embrace them. I can wait by their side. And only then can they come out of the trance and begin to express themselves by crying or talking or drawing like my daughter who loves painting and drawing to show me how she feels. And from that place, we can begin to dig into their experience in order for them to heal. But this takes time. And your task is to do the same with yourself. You cannot demand yourself to heal from one minute to the other. But what you can do is to be compassionate with yourself, to be mindful, to hug who you are, to wait for your improvement, and to wake up from the trance of covering up and running away from what you feel. And only then, crying, because you have discovered what's lying, the root cause of what is disturbing you, can you start talking in your therapies and moving in somatic therapy as well or in in your, um, you know, whatever, yoga or gym classes or whatever place you go that, that feels like a balm to you. 
So the work on oneself isn't always fun and it isn't always calm, but we have to be very brave and do it. And we need to be persistent because the reward is always joyful. And I'm telling you this firsthand because I've been in therapy since I was 21 and I cherish that time every week. And I have also invested a lot in alternative therapies and in coaches. And I love that. It's the only way to become better. So there is a universe that wants to be revealed through us, but it will only whisper its answers when we are open and gentle towards ourselves. And sometimes I, I laugh when I read things like, oh, as the universe and the universe will deliver. The universe won't deliver anything if you aren't calm, if you aren't okay with yourself. The universe is you. You are the universe. You are a spark of the universe. But unless you remember you are the universe in the flesh, unless you feel you are the universe in the flesh, you won't be able to manifest things because you are going to feel, you know, upside down or un- unsettled, etc. So once you pause, the universe can start sending you the messages for you to learn and for you to manifest the life that you want. So at the core of our being, we will find what has been silenced and forgotten along with our greatest wisdom and creativity. It's all there. It's all there to be found. And only when we dare to assist and reorganize all those pieces with loving kindness can we shine brightly from the inside out because the answer is always in and the exit is always in. So from that loving place, we can take the necessary actions to achieve our goals from an inspired place, I can guarantee this is the case. If you ask me what are the concrete stages to do the work on ourselves, I can vaguely say, because of course this is not linear, that um, the first thing is to recognize what is happening to us. And this seems so simple, but not everybody knows what is going on. Like when I was a teenager, I didn't have a clue of why I was crying. I didn't have a clue of why I was so unsettled. And my clients many times tell me, oh, Georgie, I I don't feel happy. I don't know why I have it all. I don't feel happy. Or, you know, I feel so, you know, little in comparison to others. I don't know why, you know, or I don't feel well. You know, I don't feel good. Please help. So the task is to find, you know, the reason why to recognize what is going on. The second task is to accept our emotions without judging ourselves because like when I was an adolescent, you know, every time I found myself sobbing or feeling sad, I would whip myself and I would criticize myself and be terrible to myself, thinking that I have no right to be like that. The third thing you need to do is the work on yourself and this will take time. It's layer after layer. It You need to do it in a multi-layered way, you know, body, mind, spirit, emotions, everything. And also you need to travel back and forth throughout your history. This is not that you're going to be, you know, uh, delving into every step of your life because that would be never ending. But, you know, big questions that can be uh, good eye openers and, you know, 
I love doing that with my clients. I, I call myself the the Sherlock, the, the emotional Sherlock Holmes or something like that. I, I, I laugh at, at this with them. And the process demands a quiet mind. So seek to quiet your mind in the process and take care of your body, rest, nourish yourself properly and do the appropriate exercise for you and of course if one day you cannot rest very well or one day you cannot eat well or one day you cannot exercise or several days uh, don't punish yourself because to be honest with you I have also seen that that you know uh, becoming obsessed with nutrition and exercise can be another way to cover up what is happening you know so that is another eye-opener. Be flexible. Have a flexible mind. Have a growth mindset. And last but not least, and I cannot emphasize this enough, be grateful. You know, think of all the reasons you have to be thankful and savor that gratitude. And like Tony Robbins, my coaching uh, teacher, told us, it's not just saying, oh, uh, I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my job. It's thinking and feeling, you know, everything. Like, I'm, I'm I'm, grateful for my children, okay? I can remember their faces and I can hear their chuckles and their laughter and I can feel their hair and their tiny hands or not so tiny and I can hear their voices and all the time we smile together and we laugh together and also all the time I embrace, all the times I embrace them, etc, etc, etc. So, savor the gratitude. Hmm? I hope you liked this post. And if you know anyone who can benefit from this, please forward it to them and invite them to subscribe to the podcast. In this way, we can build bridges to help each other. Remember that we live in a very fast-paced, lonely world. And this is a very easy and simple way to help another person who might not be going on a great time, who might be feeling very sensitive and vulnerable at the moment. So send them this and help them to not betray themselves. And also we appreciate your recommendation on any of the platforms you are listening to us, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the newsletter, if you have subscribed to it. This will make us more visible and will encourage us to continue offering this free material week after week. Remember to send me ideas to write about. Uh, I always receive a lot of ideas, but I haven't for a few days, so continue. I have a lot of material to write about, but you know, just in case you feel free to suggest what you would like me to develop in a podcast. So, a big hug until next week. <laughs>